Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode two of Couch Potato Politics with your host, Seamus Bozeman. I hope you're doing well and ready for uh, an interesting episode today with my guest, Elisa Gonzalez, where we discuss the gun violence epidemic in America. In 2021, so far, there has been 1,987 gun-related deaths and 147 mass shootings, a number that is far too high. And in this episode, we go into some ways that we can combat the rise in gun-related deaths and injuries. And without further ado, let's get started. Thank you for coming on episode two of Couch Potato Politics. It's really great to have you. To start off, can you tell me a bit about what you do in relation to gun control and related issues in your advocacy? Yeah, sure. So I am part of an organization called Students Demand Action. Um, I founded the collegiate chapter of the organization at my university, Florida Atlantic University. And basically, I just do different things within the organization, like um, advocate for gun violence survivors and victims. Um, I help to write up legislation that we can get kind of passed into the local government, uh, do the awareness and education on campus and off of campus, phone bank for gun sense candidates and things like that. So it's a little bit about what I do. Have you successfully passed any of that legislation or has it all petered out? Because it's a national organization and then there's different chapters within states and colleges and things like that. We've ha- we have passed a few legislations or we've helped to get them to pass or to close to pass. Um, right now we're working on getting a legislation passed um, about background checks because we believe that background checks will definitely help with this issue, this major issue that we have involving firearms. So this is one is a little bit more of a, a personal question. I don't know, but feel free not to answer this. Um, how has gun violence impacted you personally? Yeah, um, not a problem at all. I honestly, um, this is something that I think is powerful to share in order for people to understand that there's a human behind the statistics. I think a lot of the time people forget that, um, you know, statistics are more than just statistics. And so gun violence has impacted me personally on a few different um, areas in my life. Um, I had a friend when I was in middle school, I think I was in seventh grade, who uh, died by um, suicide by gun. And that was my first experience. I was very young, I, again, seventh grade. Um, so suicide is also a form of gun violence. And then as I got older, I um, just, you know, things I've seen on the news from Newtown and just like, I just never thought something like that could happen close to home for me. Um, And then um, MSC happened, Marjorie Stoneman Douglas shooting happened about two minutes from my house. Um, I live right down the street in Parkland and it was just really difficult to see my community go through that and to see um, the lack of compassion from a lot of people. Um, There were people here in our uh, in our city, conspiracy theorists that would come and say that 
um, the kids were paid actress and actors and stuff. And it was just really difficult to go through that and kind of see that pan out. Um, and yeah, so that's some, some of the personal experiences I've had. Thank you Thank for you. asking. Thank you for that. Kind of a, to follow up on that um, a little bit. You, you were talking about at the very beginning there about uh, suicide deaths um, by gun. And do you think that's really under underreported and not talked about as much as like, you know, a mass shooting or something? Yeah. So um, actually two thirds of gun deaths are suicide by gun um, and mass shootings as you know, they are important to talk about and they are obviously very tragic, but they actually only make up 2% of all gun violence. Um, so once you put that into aspect, you're like, wow, it's just, it's just crazy. The amount of, um, you know, I think mental health plays a really big part in the gun violence conversation um, in many different aspects, but I definitely don't think that suicide by gun is talked about nearly as much as it should be, seeing that the numbers are so high. Um, yeah. Kind of moving on here to a little bit more of a different subject, but obviously within guns. What are your feelings about the Second Amendment and its relevance in today's society? Because I know there's a lot of people who def staunchly defend it, but then there's others who kind of feel that it, it, it lost its place in society. I'm kind of on that boat where I feel like it's lost its place. Yeah, so I, I actually think that the Second Amendment is important, um, but I believe that it's also outdated. And, you know, so I'm kind of in the middle of that. That's one of the issues that relating to gun violence that I'm kind of centered on because um, I, it's obviously if it's in our constitution, it's just difficult to kind of get around that. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, it, since it is a constitutional right, it will remain. Um, but I think that it is outdated in the sense that we don't really, we don't use weapons the way we did back in the day. Like, it's just not necessary. Um, I don't think that you know, I, I know a lot of people say it's for if there's a, the government takes over or whatever. And it's like, for me, that just doesn't seem realistic. But I also do understand people's concerns in some senses, um, seeing that there's a lot of things that have had, happened in this country that, um, you know, like, it's just, yeah, that's my thoughts on that. But also, uh, when it comes to the Second Amendment, I think that, like, Gun violence and the Second Amendment can coexist. I think that it should be able to coexist. Um, but unfortunately, the conversation is very polarized in the sense that that um, people who are adamant about the Second Amendment are unwilling to recognize that gun violence is an issue and unwilling to see how they can coexist. So that's that's the big issue with that for me. A little bit of a follow-up to that as well. Um, do you think the Second Amendment is one of the reasons for kind of the the less gun laws in the United States here, less restrictions? Yeah, I definitely think that um, because the Second Amendment is a constitutional right, um, a lot of things fall, you know, it's hard to navigate us um, maybe taking away someone's Second Amendment right and fixing gun violence issues. But there also is the argument that certain things are not violating the Second Amendment, but people who believe in and are very adamant about that Second Amendment right um, often just they think everything is violating that right. 
Um, I think that there are certain things that may violate that Second Amendment right, um, but most of the time, like the background checks or having gun safety classes or um, having people um, take uh, like mental evaluations before they can purchase a firearm, age restrictions, all of those things. Um, I also think sometimes uh, other rights can be violated, like our First Amendment rights, and nobody says anything about that. So I think that's also a hypocritical um, kind of thing within people who defend those rights, like it's the end of their life. So, so here's a, another question about um, kind of a role some organization may play in this. Uh, so what role, in your opinion, does the NRA play in our relationship with weapons in the U.S.? I think the NRA plays the biggest role, and I think they have blood on their hands. Um, in my opinion, that's just how I feel. I think that they contribute to the need and the, well, not the need, I'm doing air quotes, the need of um, to have firearms, that culture that has been created within the U.S. And um, frankly, they just don't care about making any sort of change. Um, they are not willing to see that there's more than one side of the story. And um, I think they can actually at times be rather disgusting in the way they handle things. And um, like, for example, their social media accounts, they'll post things um, about weapons when there was just a mass shooting that same, you know, within that same hour. And it's just crazy that um, some people ha just have the privilege of not having to discuss or caring about topics like gun violence. Not a big NRA fan. <laughs> they're they're the, one of the biggest crooks in the country. So going a little like deeper into like uh, media and, and the NRA, um, what role do you, do you think the media plays in the proliferation of gun violence and, and why? Or, or if any, there's any like um, possibility that the media is creating some of this yeah, so I think this is a difficult question for me because it's hard to tell sometimes um, because I think that the reason gun violence happens is because there are people in this world who are just evil and cruel. And, uh, but in a sense, I, I understand that um, the media plays a large part in showing violence and um, showing the lack of accountability that some people may face when they do commit crimes or um, the way they um, not, I don't wanna say glamorize because that's not what they do in my opinion. But um, when someone commits a crime with a gun um, and they label them as um, just someone who has mental health issues, it kind of makes other people who are watching the media feel like, okay, like, like it just does, it, it, it kind of minimizes the issue in my opinion. Um, although that person may very well have mental health issues, I think the bigger issue at hand is that they went and they committed um, mass murder or whatever it is. Um, I also think the media plays a large role in the suicide by gun violence because of social media and just, um, it really affects a lot of people's mental health in that, in that instant, in those instances. So, um, yeah, that's. Um, so that's actually a really good kind of, uh, segue into just a small little side question here. Um, 
do you think that like mental health at institutions here in the U.S. are really failing our children and teens that have access to these weapons to commit these these acts against themselves? Like, do you think our mental health institutions have completely failed our children in that regard? I would say in a sense, but I think the bigger problem within that is that they are not always affordable and accessible to everyone. Um, we see a large amount of, of, of children, um, a lot of people who were post-military, so they have PTSD and things like that, who this is usually wh- who is affected by these, um, by suicide, by gun, and those mental health issues within the gun violence conversation. And I think that uh, the the resources are not always accessible to everyone. Um, and I don't think it should be a, a privilege to get mental health help. I think it should be a right and it should be something that's easily accessible and um, open to everyone. And just, we need a lot of reform in that sense. And I also think that it's, um, it's important to stop stigmatizing the issue of mental health because that also plays part in the reason why people aren't even willing to seek out those resources. Um, and also it's just young children. A lot of the time people who um, are in their teenage years and they just, you know, um, it's just, it's difficult and they go through those things and they feel like they have no other option or no help. So I wish that our country as a whole would just prioritize that issue a whole lot more. I think we would see a drastic change in um, not only the suicide by gun issue, but gun violence in general. Um, yeah. So what can be done by politicians instead of thoughts and prayers? Cause I know we, we hear thoughts and prayers every time this happens, but there's not really any step forward in the sense of legislation by, by either side of the spectrum. I mean, I mean, Democrats are certainly doing a little bit better, but they're still not drastically changing what's going to happen in the end, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, that absolutely makes sense. I think the first thing they need to do is to stop taking um, donations from the NRA. And um, because that automatically puts them at, like they're here at arm's length with the NRA, they can't really go get out of that. They can't really do much because they're receiving money from them. Um, so that would be my first thing. And also, while thoughts and prayers are great and people, you know, when they're grieving, they love to hear that you're in my thoughts and you're in my prayers. But um, but that stuff all needs to be followed up with actual action. The first thing would be is uh, pushing your legislators and politicians and local government and all of that to um, support gun sense legislation, meaning like gun safety, gun safe storage, because that's another issue. Uh, within, especially with the suicide by gun, um, these guns are not locked up, so children have access to them. So things like that. Um, Also, the background checks, I'm not sure if I already said that, but background checks, mental evaluations, um, and all those kinds of legislations. um, And it's, I feel like it's simpler than what people make it because since it's been so polarized, People believe that gun violence is a is one side issue, but it is a like it's a nonpartisan issue. And like if someone's gonna shoot you, they're not gonna say, "Hey, are you a Republican or a Democrat?" Before I do this, you know, like it's just I just never understood why people feel like it's a one sided issue because anyone can be affected. 
and we just need to hound our politicians until they make that action. This might be a good time to uh, ask this question, but what do you think about education around like, you know, before taking a class similar to what you have to do to get your driver's license? Like, because I never really heard you mention up to this point uh, education really too much. I, I don't know if I missed that. Um, but what, what are your thoughts on like creating an education system around this exact thing? Yeah, so I think that it's important in the same way that people say, oh, if you talk about suicide, people will commit more suicide or it's that's not true. That's been proven by facts and by um, by research. Um, when we talk about the issues, it makes people more aware and it and it it almost just I mean, education is everything in, at the end of the day. And I think that um, if you are able to get a driver's license, if, if you are not able to drive a car until you get a driver's license, it doesn't make sense to me that the same wouldn't apply when it comes to guns. Um, not saying that there's absolutely no permits because there are, you know, most, pla- most states require permits and things like that, but there are states that don't and there's states that are pushing for concealed carry with no permit and things like that and it's just not safe um in my opinion but um as far as education goes i think we need to educate people and children on gun safety um gun safety storage like how can we store a gun safely if you're going to purchase a gun you need to take a class in my opinion you need to take a class on how to use that weapon how to um make sure the safety is on when you're not using that weapon, all of those things. Um, you have to go through a permit. Like when you get your license, you have to get your permit first, have it for a year, and then you get your license. I think the same thing, same system should work for guns. You get a permit. Um, and then, you know, during that time of your permit, maybe you're learning how to shoot the gun and you're having to go um, take classes for your gun and all of that. And then that kind of segues into, okay, if you pass and you also pass a mental health evaluation, you can have a gun now. You can um, purchase a weapon and have a license for it. What do you think the psychological effects of school lockdowns have on children and teens, um, whether it's an active shooter or just a drill? Um, I know we talk about, we don't really talk about that too much. Yeah. Um, I think that this is a hard question for me because I think that it's important to teach lockdowns. Um, but a lot of the time the perpetrator is someone who goes to that school. So in some instances, they're kind of not pointless, but, um, they're just, it's hard to get around that. Like just, it's difficult. I know it is. Um, but as far as the psychological effects are, I know that after Stoneman Douglas, I didn't even go to that school. I just live in the area. I was already graduated high school and I went to a different high school. I remember I was at the movie theater with my friend and she actually was um, at Douglas when everything happened. Um, And we were getting popcorn and like someone dropped something and we both like just got very tense. Um, The popcorn machine we thought like was like we just freaked out and I can imagine that children also go through this when it comes to lockdowns and things like that that are active shooter drills and stuff. Um, 
where they can't help but to think back to those times, especially students like that are in Stoneman Douglas or other places that have had these crimes happen. Um, also, when when Douglas um, happened, I don't I mean, I'm I'm sure this is common knowledge, but um, there was a fire alarm pulled um, and that's why students started leaving. And that's when a lot of that that violence happened where the shooter had, you know, um, shot some of the kids. And so even something like that, the fire alarm, when the fire alarm goes off at that school, they're just on hyler and scared. Um, so what do you see as a first step to fixing the issue of gun violence in our country? Yeah, the first step. Um, I think the first step is actually not necessarily legislation related. It's making the fact that this issue is an issue for everyone very clear. Um, that would be the first step for me is, is, un, is not polarizing the issue. Um, but the first step as far as legislation goes, I would say is background checks. Um, because I think that would be a, a great start to just everything else kind of following. Um, and also as far as the education part goes, I think that introducing gun safety classes and that kind of license permit system I spoke about before, um, kind of putting that into action would be the first steps for me. I know this might be a more radicalized question. Should the U.S. Um, follow models other countries have adopted, like Australia and New Zealand, which are super strict and like, you know, banning assault rifles and all these like automatic weapons. Um, I know their their countries are not super gun savvy. It definitely is different. Um, but do you think the U.S. could ever adopt something like that? Okay, to answer your question, I would love that, but I know that's not possible with the way our country works and the constitution and all of that, it's not really, it's not realistic. And I like try and think as realistically as possible. And I think things that we can adopt from those countries and be realistic to our culture and our, um, in this country would be like, I believe, um, uh, you didn't mention Japan, but Japan, um, possibly Australia and New Zealand, they, um, they prioritize that mental health aspect that we talked about where if you want a gun or whatever has to, um, you have to have that mental health evaluation. You have to pass with flying colors. There's no just going and buying a gun. Um, I think a shooting happened in New Zealand. I'm not sure the year off the top of my head, I would have to um, look back for that. But um, I, I'm pretty sure that after that shooting happened, only happened one time there and they made those changes. And I don't think there's been a mass shooting since then. And um, that's the kind of action I wanna see within our country. I want to see that, um, like, I mean, even if you look at the past month, the amount of gun violence that has happened in one month is just insane here. I can even read off some of the situations that occurred. It's just so sad. It's just, uh, we don't have to, we don't have to live like this and we don't have to die like this type of thing. Um, and, you know, there's different aspects of that gun violence that 
that need to be addressed from police violence to the suicide by gun issue. Um, yeah, so just, just in this past month, there was a mass shooting in, um, I'm sorry, in at a FedEx warehouse in Indianapolis. Um, there was one in Knoxville, Tennessee. Um, yeah, it, or no, I'm sorry, in Knoxville, Tennessee, that there was, there was, this was the fifth person student fatally shot um, since beginning of the year. It's just insane. Like we see it all day, every day, and it just never gets better. Um, and it won't get better until legislators and people in power, people who are supposed to serve us, um, do their jobs. Do you think events like this just keep happening if we don't put measures in place and we let people continue to own own guns legally, even though they've been flagged as suspect and possibly violent? I know that was the case with the Indianapolis shooter. Um, was not supposed to have one because he had been in a mental health institution and had been flagged um, as possibly suspect for not having one. So what, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think that the red flag laws are, are, are good in the sense that they flag people who are high risk of doing something like this. And um, a few things there, the people who are the police officers who were in charge of that didn't fall. I don't. I don't believe they followed through with their with what they needed to do to make sure that he did not he did not get another weapon. Um, I'm not sure of all of the full deal details of that specific um, incident, but um, I'm gonna assume that someone just didn't do their job, and um, that is an issue that happens a lot of the time where. Um, people are flagged and they're on, under these red flag laws and then someone doesn't follow up with what they're supposed to. Um, and I think that just like people say, um, if whether it's legal or not, people are going to get guns, but that shouldn't stop us from making laws. That shouldn't make us not make laws because people are going to commit crimes regardless. That if that was the case, then murder should be legal and all these other things. Um, crime is always going to occur, but there are ways to hold people accountable for laws that they break um, and a way to just make the world a safer place, hopefully. Um, a little bit of a follow-up to that. Um, I, I mean, maybe it's not, I don't know. We, we talked about failed institutions and missing the red flag. Um, what's your feelings on, you know, people in power having access to these weapons, like a police force? And I mean, it's a terribly, uh, it's a really bad issue right now, um, especially with the recent shooting in Columbus and all this. Um, what are your thoughts on that? So I believe that police officers should have weapons, but I believe that that should be their very, very last thing that they think to even use or need to use. They have um, other things that won't cause lethal um, harm. Uh, one is being 
is learning de-escalation tactics and how to de-escalate situations. I think a lot of the time police officers go into a situation and they actually escalate it. They actually make it worse than what it needs to be. Um, like just not knowing how to speak to people, having not having common decency, like they're going in like F this and F that and, and screaming and cursing and nobody wants to listen to someone who's screaming and cursing at them. One and two, they have a power and ego struggle where they can't just treat people a lot of the time as just decent human beings. I'm not saying everyone is like this and all police officers are like that. But in my experience and what I've seen, a lot of time, that's what it looks like. And um, at the end of the day, you can't expect someone who is untrained, who's just a civilian to act better or um, not, not feel um, anxious or whatever when the people who are trained to do their jobs are um, acting crazy and, and, you know, all of that stuff. And I think that, um, like I said, police violence is a form of gun violence and it's something that needs to change, but I do understand why having a weapon is important. Um, I just think that a lot of the time it's used as a first option rather than the last resort option. And that's the major issue for me. So with these last few questions, I'm going to kind of open the floor to very uh, open opinions um, and what you'd like to say to the audience, really. Um, what would you like to say to those who are still defending their Second Amendment rights like it's life and death? Yeah, so for this, I would love to say that, um, you know, you, your Second Amendment right is valid. I get that. But um, there's an issue at hand that causes people actual life or death. Um, when you lose someone you love to gun violence or you're affected personally, you're a survivor, um, nobody's asking you what party you're a part of. Nobody's asking you um, if you believe in the Second Amendment right or not. I believe in the Second Amendment. I have guns in my house. They're safely locked up, but I own weapons, not personally, but my family, my dad, you know, um, and I think that guns can be important, um, but I also do, rem I do want to remind those who are listening that, um, that all the statistics we've spoken about today are actual people, and it's important to remember those people when, you know, when we have these conversations, and um, I can assure you that your Second Amendment right will not go away. That's not how this country works. We have a constitution that is intact and, um, you know, that's that for me. I know we might've gone over this briefly earlier, um, but I'd like to go into a little bit more detail about how, how do you feel about uh, the whole thing about people saying it's to defend against the tyrannical government and like the people can rise up and, uh, and do what they need with the guns. Um, what do you feel like that? Is that a, a good defense these days or, or yeah. I don't think it's relevant anymore. Um, I, I don't think we live in the same um, country that we did all those many, 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 many years ago. Um, 
Um, I just don't think that that's something we have to worry about. Uh, and I think that at the end of the day, um, if something was to happen, which I don't believe anything would ever happen, but, um, you know, I just, I just, I don't see the need for military grade weapons or assault weapons, period. Um, and I think that people need to start living in the now and not in the past and the, that's that for me. I just don't think it's relevant anymore. And one last one here. Um, if there's anything I missed, uh, you didn't have a chance to say, uh, please feel free to say it. Thank you. Um, I think we covered pretty much everything, but I just wanna remind whoever's listening that um, this is an issue that's very broad, that has different, you know, from domestic violence to suicide by gun, to police violence, mass shootings, um, inner city gun violence, all those things. It's an issue that can affect anyone. Doesn't matter what you look like, um, doesn't matter who you are, who you vote for, any of those things. Um, although it does impact some other, other groups or communities disproportionately, um, it can affect virtually anyone. So um, just remember that. And like I've said a few times this during this podcast episode, um, it's not a, a partisan issue. It's a nonpartisan issue and it needs to be treated as such. And thank you so much, Seamus, for having me. I really appreciate you asking me to come on here. <laughs> and just one last thing before we uh, wrap up here. Um, do, you, do you have any questions you'd like to ask the audience that they, they can think about um, after they listen to the episode and, and also what they can do and what organizations they can support. With this episode, I know you mentioned uh, Students Demand Action. Yeah, sure. So questions for the listener could be, um, what can I do, meaning the listener, what can I do uh, to be involved in this issue? Um, how can I support and advocate for victims and survivors of gun violence? And um, how can I defend myself when people come at me with those arguments that we've spoken about that, you know, is violating the Second Amendment or, um, you know, or people just kind of act like gun violence doesn't exist? How can you handle people like that? How can you conversate with them so that that way we're coming to a conversation of education and not just argument and disagreement because at the end of the day, if you're not trying to educate that person or trying to have that conversation with that person, there's no room for that person to change um, their beliefs. Not that, not that the conversation has to change someone's beliefs. If someone believes something, that's their right to and people should be able to believe what they want. Um, but how can you educate people so that they can have an understanding of why this issue is important? Um, and as far as organizations to donate or to get involved in, Students Demand Action is a great one. I absolutely love being a part of the organization. Um, they partner with Moms Demand Action and Everytown for gun safety. So those organizations as well. Um, and if you want to get involved with Students Demand Action, you can, you can text students to 64433 
and um, it will send you, send you a prompt to basically fill out. And from that, you will uh, get all the information. And when there's different campaigns and different legislation we're pushing, they'll send you a text and it'll say like, text checks to 64433 for background checks. Or um, I even have one for my university specifically that people can text um, so that that way they can get information on a campus basis. Uh, so yeah, that's all I have. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much, uh, Elisa, for being on the podcast. It was great to have you uh, for this conversation that, that really needs to be had. And I think it gets avoided in a lot of situations because it does devolve into argument very commonly. It's really great to have you and uh, hope to talk again soon. Thank you so much. <laughs> All of the organizations that were mentioned throughout the episode and relevant information would be provided in the show notes below. Please refer to those to donate to and how you can be involved in this advocacy as well, whether it be a chapter at your own school or just calling your legislators through their phone banking and other sources. Also, don't forget to follow Couch Potato Politics on all forms of social media, especially Instagram. That's where I'm the most active. So be sure to follow there. And if you want to provide direct feedback, be sure to email me at couchpotatopoliticspodcast at gmail.com. Would love to hear from you. And I hope you have a great one.